probably know, at Sendable, we have just gone through an acquisition. Transition is always challenging. So today we're really excited to have Sendable's founder, Gavin, and our new CEO, Caitlin Sorensen, on the show. We're going to be hearing both sides of the story, what it's like stepping down as CEO after 13 years, and also what it's like coming in as a new CEO. So Caitlin, do you want to tell everybody where you're from, where you've worked, just a little bit about you? Yeah, I am from Seattle, Washington. I grew up in a small town outside of the city, but I was born at home, actually. Fun fact. Oh, wow. My first job out of college was software testing in Sydney, Australia. I wanted a little bit of an adventure and to live internationally. There's a little bit of a theme in my life. (laughs) And... I've done a little bit of everything. The majority of my career has been in sales and marketing. I spent a lot of years at Fierce Conversations, tried consulting for a little while, and then spent some time at Traject before joining the Sendable team. So what has been the toughest challenge you've had to overcome in your life and how has it changed you? My toughest challenge was coming out as gay in college. It was a really tough decision for me to come to to feel comfortable enough to tell my friends and family. They were very supportive when I did, and it was a really transformative experience. It really changed my life. It was the first time that I felt comfortable in my skin. So this experience that you went through in college, how do you think that's impacted you as a CEO today? I think that it changed the way that I interact with the world. I after hiding and pretending for so long and not being comfortable being who I was, it really pushed me to do everything authentically. I don't try to be somebody that I'm not. I'm very me. And that is the way that I lead. What excited you about the CEO role at Sendable? Yeah, uh, Sendable is a really cool company. I've been aware of it for a long time with my work at Traject. I actually, I think I did a trial of it about seven years ago when we were looking for a tool (laughs) at Fierce. So I was really excited when we started talking about Sendable. I love the space. I love the branding. I love the values. They're very aligned with my personal values. And after spending a few months in the role, what really makes Sendable special is the customers and the team. So I'm just completely humbled and really grateful to be a part of this business. When you were first introduced to the Sendable team, you bravely did the fireside chat on the Friday of the week the deal closed and the whole company asked you a bunch of questions. What would you say is the toughest question you were asked? There were a lot of really great questions. (laughs) There were, I think, over a hundred in just that first session (laughs) and... (laughs) Everything from pineapple on pizza to software security. But generally, the the team was really deep. And that was something that I really appreciated. I think the toughest question for me to answer was, how will I earn their trust? And the reason that that is tough is that there isn't a, a simple answer. And it's a really hard thing to do, earn somebody's trust. And it's a big transition, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Gavin has been in the business for so long and done an incredible job. So there's not a way really for me to answer that question except for to show up every day being me and bringing what I can to the table. 
Okay, so Gavin, so you now transitioning out of Sendable. What's been the hardest thing for you since taking more of a backseat? Yeah, I think when I obviously when I sold the company, I didn't realize it'd be this period of like grief, like deep grief and mourning and like sadness. Like it's like literally like a child almost <laughs> that has been adopted by new parents. So I think that I didn't realize what hit me so so hard. Like that this grief and just not knowing where I belong anymore. Obviously, Sendable has been a big part of me like since before we got married, and then having to learn how to overcome that then and go stage, like separation anxiety almost. And then obviously I was taking a step back seat and then knowing that I would need to elevate Caitlin as the new CEO and give her the trust that the team needs. It's a, it's a weird feeling, but you have to like step back and you can't make those decisions anymore that I used to make. And like you kind of being a different version of yourself. From the beginning, you have this weird identity crisis, I think, of knowing who you are, where you fit in in the company, when you should say something, when you shouldn't say something. And obviously, Caitlin's a different kind of CEO to me. You know, I'm the founder and CEO. So it's very, very different being the founder, you know, when you have this idea and this goal. And yeah, we just have different styles and different approaches and learning how to make sure that the team understands where Caitlin's strengths are versus where my strengths were and kind of building trust in that sense. So I think, yeah, I think just, just that, making sure the team is okay with the transition has been obviously very stressful. But yeah, I think we're getting getting there. So yeah. So what are some of the qualities you admire in Caitlin? Yeah, I think, I think as you mentioned, that, that first Friday when you came came with that fireside chat and took on all those questions, like, like literally that was the hardest week of my life, to be honest. <laughs> just, I mean, that week was insane when we signed the deal. I think it was on the Tuesday or something. And then I had to tell the management team on the Wednesday. And then the Friday was, yeah, your fireside chat. And I just told the team on the Thursday, actually. So for you to come in there and be so brave and uh, so authentic in how you answered everyone's questions, I think that's something I don't think I could have done. <laughs> so I think your, your kind of bravery and empathy and just how authentic you were in that session. I mean, the other thing, like just what you've done with the leadership team, so I think how Caitlin's kind of turned them into like more of a unified force. Whereas, you know, I had a different different style, which meant they were maybe more silos or maybe we had different opinions and we didn't really come together as one. But Caitlin's really brought the team together, built trust, broken down those sort of fears that the team had of each other and insecurities. And I can see how it's improving things since she's come on board. I think it's also amazing that you took the time to meet everybody one-on-one regardless of the fact that it was, you know, having to schedule Zoom calls, but you managed to get through the entire company, which is amazing and probably meant a lot to each individual person that, that you gave up that time to get to know them and not just the team as a whole. That was a really fun two weeks. <laughs> so a question for both of you, how would you say your management styles differ? The biggest difference I've seen is that I am an external processor And I would guess that Gavin is an internal processor. I really lean on discussion. I really like solving problems by talking it through with people and spitballing ideas. Whereas I know there's a lot more of a writing it down culture at Sendable that I'm learning and I I do, I am enjoying it. Um, I think, I think a big thing for me was just like studying Jeff Bezos um, and how he manages things. Just like that's why the writing format was such a big thing for me. Like in the past, we had meetings, people just bring random ideas and like no one actually makes any decisions. But since adopting this more written format where people will write up a document first, which I know you aren't used to, um, and then you get the feedback and then you have the meeting afterwards. So I think uh, other thing is, I think I've, I've kind of built the company around what, I, what my strengths are. <laughs> I think you think about it. So that, that was what I kind of was more comfortable with. 
And I think I think that's maybe where the difference is. Like you coming in with a different approach and your strengths are different. So we're trying to find a like middle ground that works for mm-hmm. everyone, yeah, uh, with these these changes. You should try living with them. <laughs> <laughs> So, Caitlin, what's your perspective on growing a company at Sendable's stage, namely the scale-up process and beyond? Yeah, I, there are a lot of shifts that businesses go through at from going from two employees to five employees to 10 employees. And a really big shift happens when you hit that kind of like 40 to 50 employee range where everything starts to break. There's a level of trust, we keep talking about it, but that is necessary in what other people are doing. There's an amount of communication that's needed because when you're a smaller company, you can, to a certain extent, know and participate in everything that's going on and creating really clear ownership, clear delegation lines, and really communicating out updates is really important. I do still think that experimentation is important. It's just less of a big change and more of an iterative approach. So we still need to be excited about innovation. We still need to try new things. We still need to be not afraid of breaking the occasional thing or making mistakes. It's just, it's important to still move quickly, but make smaller changes and then iterate. What were you afraid of when you first took on the role? There was a lot all happening at once in my life at that point. We, me and my wife had just gotten married. We had actually just bought a house in Seattle where the time difference is quite extreme to London. And probably my biggest fear was how do I learn this thing and embed myself in this company and, and build trust when I only overlap for four hours at 4am my time. (laughs) So that was definitely a challenge. And the other thing is just really not wanting to break what makes Sendable Sendable. There's such a strong, beautiful culture and also trying to figure out how do I infuse my personality? How do I mix what I bring to the table with this great company and understanding what that balance is. Can you describe how your days how your days were with the time difference, how you kind of managed that? Yeah, the first month was pure adrenaline. <laughs> I uh, woke up at 3.45 and got online at 4 a.m. There was all, all uh, additional morning tasks <laughs> took a backseat to just trying to wake myself up and drink coffee. I do think as we were talking earlier about the one-on-one meetings with everyone in the company and starting that way, getting the energy from the team, talking about their questions, what they love about Sendable was a good way to sort of at least functionally get me into the 4am habit, I would say. I also had to get used to going to bed a lot earlier. (laughs) I can imagine. Wow. How have you ensured the culture has remained intact since the acquisition? I think the best way to do that is to listen and get feedback along the way to engage in the culture. And the team 
The Sendable team really makes Sendable Sendable and the customers really make Sendable Sendable. And so as long as I'm listening, engaging and taking in feedback from those groups of people, I think I'll be able to maintain and and continue to have such a great culture. The authenticity, curiosity, and transparency values are, or core pieces of Sendable are things that I are part of me as well. And so I think that that makes it a little bit easier as well. And Gavin, how did you ensure the transition went smoothly for the customers? Yeah, so the, the first thing we did was we made a list of all our customers and prioritized by how old the customer was, not in age, but how long they were with Sendable <laughs> for. Uh, and then just by sort of how much revenue they were spending with us. And we just we just reached out to them to offer time to speak, uh, answer any questions or concerns they had. And yeah, quite a few of them obviously reached out to us and Caitlin and I both got on a call with them. Um, I also obviously wrote the blog post on the Sendable blog, um, explaining why I decided to sell the company and why the time was right for me personally. So again, just about transparency, making sure customers knew the reason why. I think just from customers' point of view, like their, their biggest concern was because I was such an approachable CEO, having someone else that they could reach out to if there was ever any issue that they needed to escalate. So I think they, they felt reassured when they met Caitlin. And again, as I said, Caitlin's empathy sort of virtue uh, really helped them to trust her. And yeah, and then after that, we just um, we opened up our calendars uh, for any customers who wanted to speak to us, answered any concerns of theirs. And uh, yeah, I think, I think it went really well. I think customers really were appreciative of us giving up our time and answering their questions and getting on the calls with them. It was obviously a busy few weeks when they took up all our time to, to meet with them, but I think it was worth it. Now, you always said you'd never sell, and you always had this mantra about our customers being the only boss. How did you address this when you announced the news to the team? Uh, that's, that's a good question. Um, I still believe our customers are our only boss because everything we do is to make them successful. So it doesn't matter who the owner of the company is. Ultimately, we do everything that we do for our customers to make them successful. I think the only difference now um, with obviously ASG and Traject being involved is that we have more potential for growth. So they are able to support us and our customers indirectly even more so our customers can achieve more. So now you know we're able to invest more in product and development to help the product get better. And also in our team. So our team is already going on training and all sorts of courses from Traject uh, learning to improve their skills so we can deliver more for our customers and ultimately be more successful as a company. So I think it just means we can do more for our customers right now. And uh, yeah, they, they should expect more from us. And Caitlin, what areas did ASG want you to focus on when you first took over? And how did you ensure it all went smoothly? ASG does a really great job of supporting and providing the space for learning, especially at the beginning. There's this really cool program that they have called the First 90, and it allows new CEOs to come in, observe, and really understand what's different from what we assumed or thought going in, what is the same, what is better, what is worse. And so there's a lot of just space for learning, which I really appreciated. And then there's a discussion about what that means and and how that impacts things. So the biggest thing is, can we continue to hit our numbers and, and grow as always? I think every business has that goal. So that has been easy with Sendable. We've been doing really well. As Gavin said, investing in our customers, trying to make things easier for them and 
as long as we continue to have that be our focus, then it should continue to go smoothly. When a founder steps out, they say innovation can slow down. What are you doing to ensure that Sendable continues to innovate and deliver value to customers? I think innovation is critical, especially in an industry like social media, where things are changing constantly. It is so agile, and that requires us to be agile as well. The difference is that a founder has a crazy idea, and they're building towards that idea, and they're continuing to evolve that idea. The way that I am planning on and continuing to operate is a little bit more collaborative, giving more ownership to the product team to help set that vision. I still think that that vision, that idea is so important. And we will continue to deliver for our customers. It's also figuring out what's going to happen next and what do our customers need now? And then really, what do they need in six months, in a year? And doing the research, investing in product and development, like Gavin said. So what are some things that Sendable does differently? Like this is really all I know for so so many years. So I'm curious, like what are some things that other companies you've worked at do differently whether it's like management or quirks or things we do that's that surprised you, we're really keen to hear what you think. Sometimes it's hard to tell if a difference is a American to British difference <laughs> or a company to sendable difference. So I don't know 100% where these things fall, but you are a very collaborative CEO which is great. And I think similar to how I plan to lead as well. And as you mentioned earlier, you gave a lot of autonomy to each of the different departments, but they didn't interact as much. And one of the things that I think happens when there are those silos, which exist in all companies. So I don't know if it's, if it's really a sendable versus other companies' situation. But what can happen is that the support team doesn't trust product to think about their needs and, and their perspective because they don't know their perspective because they haven't been talking and working through problems together. So that's one thing that, that you mentioned that we're, we're already kind of working on breaking down. Knowledge sharing is a really cool program that Sendable has. I love the way that you took storytelling as the center of our product and made it a huge part of our business. I did my knowledge sharing presentation last week and that was really fun. I was actually telling a friend about it who works at Liberty Mutual and he implemented it on his team. So it's something that I don't think a lot of oh, companies wow. do, awesome. but is a really cool way to get to know your coworkers and build your presentation skills. I mean, I just wanted to say, just based on this question from our experience, I mean, I think when we were when we were um, speaking to every employee after the acquisition announcement, 
I don't think we realized how unique Sendable is. I think we, as Gavin said, it's all we've known for 13 years. I think we kind of just took that for granted. And we mm. assumed that all companies are the same way and the culture in all companies is the same. And it was only kind of at that point when we got all this feedback that we realized we actually really have something quite unique now. So all the feedback came out at the end. So I got all this feedback about how unique Sendable is, how different the culture is, you know, how special it is, how it's family-like. But I, I never realized it when I was actually running the company. And I think it's also because you're just in it. You're not reflecting on things. Some of that like family stuff, I definitely have felt before. I When we went out to get drinks the other week, Martine, and, and you were just talking about how special and how wonderful the team is. Like, I, I felt at home, which was really, really cool. I do think that the two of you have brought your personalities into Sendable and really created this just grateful uh, culture. The the tacos piece is really fun. And I love how everyone uses that to celebrate little and big wins. I'm going to put you on the spot here with a tough question. So this is probably for whoever's listening, which is could be employees, could be some customers. But uh, what is your vision for the future of Sendable? My vision for the future of Sendable is to continue to innovate and really double down on what Sendable does best. I think there are a couple of things that Sendable does really well. The The first thing is to support businesses that want to grow. So there's this value piece that's really critical. I also think education. So businesses that are just getting started on social don't really necessarily know what they're doing, want to build a social media marketing agency from nothing. We enable those customers to grow and start small. You don't have to sign a super long-term contract and sign your life away. You can build slowly over time. And I think this idea of simplicity at scale is something that I'm leaning into. So how do we enable our customers to scale? How do we scale and keep things simple. So onboarding, scheduling, what is the the path to least resistance to get customers to where they need to, to be? I also think that there's a need to expand beyond social APIs. This is something that Gavin started before he left, but Sendable creates so much value for our customers and some of it is related to social APIs and some of it isn't. And is if we can double down on that side as well and, and grow and think about how do our users plan campaigns? How do our users manage a very complicated business and multiple brands? I think we'll be able to provide value outside of just our Facebook business partner. What advice would you give other CEOs taking over from a CEO or founder to, and ensuring there's a smooth transition? Find a Gavin. <laughs> I, <laughs> I really do appreciate how open Gavin has been, how much feedback he's shared with me, how he's given me a little bit of that feedback that he wasn't able to get as a CEO more regularly. That has helped me learn and grow a lot. I also think there's a need for listening, for observing for experiencing and understanding. And then there's also a point when 
you you have to just say, I'm not going to be Gavin. I can't be Gavin. I'm pretty sure his shoes wouldn't fit me. <laughs> and I he's an amazing leader. And I will be an amazing leader, too. I'm just going to be a little bit different. And so that it comes back to that infusing my personality into the business. And it, it's a balance. It's hard because change is challenging. It's uncomfortable and there's not really a way to make change simple. So the more that you can just be open and get to know the team so that they understand you're not going to be perfect. You're going to make mistakes. And that doesn't mean that you're not going to figure it out and you don't have something to to bring. It's just going to take a little bit of time. I, I will get 12 years of experience eventually. <laughs> <laughs> And now you've seen quite a few acquisitions at ASG with founders stepping out. What advice would you give to Gavin for dealing with this huge change in his life? I think you've got got one thing going. You're you're focusing on a new project. I think that that has I've seen that help founders transition and and not feel quite as lost. I also think not isolating yourself from your team is something I would recommend the you you're transitioning to a new role and you can still maintain those relationships and go to beers and spend time and and talk about things with your team that you've built it doesn't have to be goodbye and i hope it's not goodbye with me either would love to stay in touch and also letting yourself experience all of the emotions it's again change is hard I think, as you say, because it's because it's Sandoval's always been a family. I think it would be like enormous for us. I mean, to step aside from the people <laughs> because they're just so part of our lives. It's 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 crazy, and we've you know we've always had this very professional relationship. But it's still you know there's still like in house jokes and things <laughs> that we kind of you know we're going to seriously have a bit of FOMO. I think. <laughs> <You Yeah. know? laughs> It's actually interesting because for the first time I had some employees actually connecting with me as friends on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> so we always had this thing where they obviously wouldn't connect with the CEO. I don't yeah. know what the thing was, but people started connecting with me, which is so different. <laughs> like actually being seen as a friend and not the CEO. Yeah. Uh, it was pretty awesome. Yeah. We've also always had this kind of two, these two lives, you know, each of us half and half. So it's kind of like I've always said, like the way our friends see us, and the way the team see us. And it's like two completely different people because, you know, we feel like we're the same, but, but you never, especially for Gavin as the CEO, you never really are. Like our friends can't imagine like Gavin being a CEO and, you know, our colleagues can't imagine Gavin just being a normal guy, you know? <laughs> so. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Oh, I was just going to say, I do think that just continuing to show support for Sendable too and, and helps as well. So like sharing your thoughts and highlighting cool events on LinkedIn and social and, and showing that you are supportive of the direction that it's going also helps more, I guess, with the, the company than for you. But always feel free to give me feedback and let me know if you are concerned, but hopefully you won't be. <laughs> Gavin, what advice would you give to other founders who have just gone through an exit and there's a new CEO in place that does things a little differently? Yeah, I think you need to obviously ensure that the new CEO is open to feedback, as Caitlin is, as she said, uh, being willing to accept feedback from every direction. 
I think I think what Caitlin's done well is really just try to seek out as much feedback as possible. And I've seen people starting to give you more feedback now, Caitlin, and I think that's, that's a really good thing. And I think also just for the team to recognize that the CEO, as an employee, that the CEO is there for you. So it's up to you to help shape that CEO into that person you want them to be. I think Caitlin said this to me as well, um, where if the team can give feedback, then the CEO will be the person the team needs that CEO to be. Yeah, I think and just recognizing that the CEO will never be the same as you. You know, the CEO is different. Uh, and I think the team needs to recognize that everyone does everyone does things differently. And I think it takes time to learn a company. And I think as Caitlin said, you know, I've been doing this for so long, she's coming in now trying to figure out the company, figure out our customers, work out the vision just in the space of a few months. So there's a lot for a new CEO to take on. Yeah. And also there's a real like kind of positive experience from from this, the aspect of Caitlin's coming in with such a fresh perspective where you've had uh, like the emotions over the years and the connections to people, you're kind of seeing things with fresher eyes, which is amazing because kind of you'll be able to spot things a lot quicker in some ways because, you know, you're coming in more of as, as an outsider. So things are blaringly obvious to you, whereas Gavin's more emotionally involved because of years of, you know, of taking those those smaller steps. I, I, think, I think it's years of making mistakes. So <laughs> I think I've had the 12 yeah. years to stuff up and mess things up <laughs> and then learn, you know, and I think I've had that luxury of, the, of all that time. Right. So, I mean, I've, I've seen the mistakes that I made, you know, and um, I can see that in, in other people as well, like people make similar mistakes. So it's just like recognizing that it'll, it'll take time. You know, it doesn't happen overnight. And what CEO advice would you give to Caitlin? That's a good question. Uh, <laughs> I think, I think something I, I learned recently as the company got bigger is just the importance of setting a vision and just repeating it over and over and over and over again. Because that, that vision is really a sales tool. Like even when it came to recruiting, as soon as I had the vision in my head and I could repeat it over and over, and I was interviewing a candidate, they kind of bought into the vision and they, they, they couldn't resist coming to, take the, kind of coming to work for the company. So having the vision, being as transparent as possible internally and publicly. I think similarly, like when, I, when we started being more transparent doing the podcast and that kind of thing, we were able to attract amazing talent just through transparency. People could see behind the scenes of the company. The team could see behind the scenes what was going on. Um, they all bought into the story, this authenticity. So I think, yeah, the vision being authentic and then just, yeah, just always giving the team a focus. Like the team always needs a focus and a direction. So vision is your sort of longer term focus and then setting like short, shorter term rocks or objectives. And the team obviously would know what those objectives are. So I think, I think those are the things that I learned that really moved us forward. Uh, and then with those two, with the rocks and the vision and the objectives and everything, making sure people are fully accountable. So assigning ownership to each of those things and making sure that you check in with them to make sure they're moving things forward and they have nowhere to hide, really. And I think I think that was the operating system I used you know, over the last few years, which really worked well. Obviously, there's, there's different ways to do this, but essentially it's always about setting direction, giving focus. I think you need to become a good storyteller for people to buy into that vision. That, that's what it is. You're really selling a vision. And storytelling is a great skill to help you help you sell that vision. Gavin, you, you've seen my vision presentation. You, we've talked a little bit about it so far today. How do you feel? How, what's your confidence level in where we're headed and, and the vision that I'm setting for the company? I like the simplicity at scale sort of idea. I think that sums up our strengths sort of in one sort of phrase. And I think, I think the fact that you're really focusing on the customers and kind of uh, finding our best customers those ideal customers and building the best product for them. I think also like just focusing less. I, I know we've discussed this internally, but I think there isn't, it shouldn't be such a focus on competitors. There shouldn't need to be such a focus. If we can listen to our customers like you're doing and build the best solution for them, 
we'll find enough similar customers to the ones we have that are succeeding with our product. So I think simplicity at scale, having the ideal customer always in mind. Um, and I think with, with that sort of vision, we, we can't really go wrong, you know. So just to end off, just to let you all know that um, Caitlin will be taking over the Sendable Insider podcast from me. And you'll obviously be hearing a lot more from her in the future through communication from the company or in the podcast or whatever else we do as a company. But Caitlin, in the meantime, where's the best place for listeners to get in touch with you, for our customers to reach you, and for anyone else who wants to reach out to Sendable? Definitely. CEO at Sendable.com comes directly to me. Happy to answer emails. I am also on LinkedIn. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Bye. Bye.